And we're back. (laughs) (laughs) This is going to be another episode of Dungeons and Dagmars. And I'm here uh, again. My name is Jeff. I played Dagmar last season. And uh, we've got Don with us today. And we're going to be talking a little bit about the upcoming season uh, and kind of what what our plans are. Uh, We know we haven't talked in a while. So I figured you would be wanting some information so we thought this might be a good way to do it and i mean that's kind of weird is that this is actually the first recording that i'm doing with anybody else since our last episode which was like the first week of december yeah yeah and it kind of makes me sad a little bit it's like wow time is flying by yep it's already march i don't even know how that happened it's you know, it gets cold in Minnesota. <laughs> That's how it happened. <laughs> you think we'd have plenty of time to be inside recording, but yeah, but yeah. you got to get from A to B. Yeah, and it's cold. So yeah, I thought we. Uh, so I know we have a little bit of. Uh, I don't know how much information you've kind of put out, but uh, we've got some plans for the next season and a little bit of uh, some changes as far as uh, one setting and two the actual system that we're using for the next campaign. Yeah. I didn't mention that. I, like, I dropped a little tease to kind of like nurse the channel along a couple weeks back and let people know, yes, we're, we're not dead. We're still, we're still <laughs> planning on recording and nice. bringing, bringing new content back. But yes. So, so on dungeons and dagmars, it, it gets released, right? Like we get to figure out what the game system is that we're going to be using. I think right? so. I, nice. you know, I, yeah. Because actually then also this, this might be the last dungeons and dagmars for yeah. a good long time. Maybe. Yeah. Well, yeah, we'll see. We'll see how dungeons and dagmars do, mm-hmm. but yeah, you're, you're right. Um, so we're using a system or we're going to be traversing to a system called adventurer's edge. Yes, and I'm so, super excited. Yeah, I, I'm I'm excited too. I uh, so I've been reading on the rule set, like the books and and kind of different uh, role settings or excuse me, world settings. And I thought, um, since you're much more invested or like experienced in this, <laughs> we should probably mention why that would be. Well, why is that, Don? <laughs> <laughs> because it's a game system that I wrote. Oh, there you go. <laughs> Because <laughs> case anybody's out there like, I've never heard of that. Let me start edge. Googling. What? I go to the game store all the time. I've never I've seen never that on the show. <laughs> yeah. So it is a game system that has been uh, written by Don. And uh, we're going to give that a go for this next season. And I was looking through and I had some questions, just some pretty generic questions that I thought we could go through just to get people kind of prepared on on uh, some of the more basic sets uh, or basic information for that. All right, sure. All right. So uh, it looks like it is set in the world called Telus. Yes. And this is a disc world that's surrounded by uh, the real stream, correct? Right. So you've invented a flat earth is what you're saying. <laughs> I did. Yeah, yeah I um, You know, when whenever... You know, I, I've built a lot of game worlds over the, sure. over the decades. You know, things, things. You know, you get invested into a degree, and you play for a while, and then you're like, "Oh, that was fun," and you try to make something else up. And then I, um, and then we switched to Pathfinder. God, I mean, 
10 years ago, 12 years ago, whenever it came out. Yeah. And started playing in Galarian and pretty much everything that I had just got shelved. Sure. And so this was like, you know what? We And then we were playing in Jerry's world, uh, right. Athelus. And I was like, well, I, I, I want to start from scratch. You want to do a new one? Like completely everything from scratch. And I was like, what is, what could be fun? What could be zany? Things you don't see all the time. And I'm like, well, let's let's start with some crazy ideas. How about a Discworld? How about a Flat Earth? <laughs> nice. Well, uh, so I did have a question. What is this? What is the real stream? What is it comprised of? What is this mystical force that's keeping this world as a disc? Well, the um, yeah. So what the players will know because they you'll learn more things as things you know evolves. But what people know is like like yeah, the the Earth is flat. The Telus is flat. They would call it Telus, but. Uh, and and so you have these continents that roughly form. They're they're not connected, but they're you know they go around a ring around the center of the disc. So they're kind of positioned you know around the center. But the uh, the edge of the disc is the real stream, which is basically this elemental river, because the disc spins in space mm-hmm. like it's it's slow rotate, and that's how you have seasons. But the the real stream is basically an elemental river that goes in the opposite direction and it's it's impassable i mean ships anybody that has watched ships try to sell off the edge of the, of the earth to, to, to traverse it mm-hmm. just get consumed by this so okay. so nobody knows how to uh, how to get to the other side yeah is it it like uh is the river like rough the one that it's going through is it kind of like this typhoon at the end of the world that's spinning counterclockwise yeah it? yeah it's it's violent and it's also it's like elemental water mm. so it has a lot of unusual properties that sure make it, make it that makes much. sailing difficult i yeah. imagine yeah. <laughs> so if anybody has ever been successful they've not returned to tell the tale okay maybe that'd be something that the player characters can investigate later on yeah, you never know uh yeah we'll see so uh in just reading Again, this new game world that you have, what can you tell me of the gods in this world? What kind of part do they play? Are they real or are they real only in name? Are they venerated across the entire world or are they pockets that support particular gods? And do the gods provide any kind of power, like clerical power? Well, that that's a great question. So that's what I thought too. <laughs> The gods, uh, people believe in them, and uh, so there's uh, basically this pentacle. These, this five, the five. There's five gods, or maybe five faces of the same god. That's it's a bit of a mystery, but there are these five forces that people revere and believe in, and the different cultures uh, do have different names for them. But there, there isn't there isn't a deviation. There is this idea that there are just the five. Right? Okay. There are these five forces. So five cultures may call them differently, but they're still the same five pillars, if you will, yep. potentially of the same God or five different gods. But they, um, yeah, they, they work in a, if, you know, in a very abstract way, they don't have, it's not like the Greek pantheon where they're out hanging out with the mortals or really getting involved with the day-to-day affairs of man. Mm-hmm. Um, people don't see them. But they're so they revere them, but it's like they, um, you know, the 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 people faith 
Some might say that they come to them in dreams or, or signs or omens. Okay. So they are removed from like the direct influence of you know, the day-to-day world. Sure. So, but people definitely pray to them and, you know, maybe make sacrifices and, but, um, and then some maybe favor one over the other, but clerics actually revere them all. Okay. Like, um, when you think about that, actually both mechanically and in the world, like your cleric, you don't pick one. You, Okay. you, You get some unique abilities from each of them. Oh, okay. Yeah. So being a cleric is much more of being a religious person of all faiths as opposed to just one specific patron, if you will, or deity that presides over a domain. Right. Now now there 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 are sects that maybe favor one or the other. Okay. But they don't um they don't put anyone over the other. Like nobody's like, oh, my God's the real God or my God's the most powerful. Like there's this idea of equality and balance, but there are, um, um, there are some that maybe gravitate more to the ideologies that they've built around one over the others. Hmm. So I imagine with this idea of religious equality, that's kind of shaped the world in regards to like religious war. That maybe has not happened or has happened maybe in the past that brought this about. Um there well, yeah, in the in the in the present there there's no notion of religious wars. Hmm. Yeah. That that's it's w- unique. wars are simply, you know, things that men create. <laughs> <laughs> well or as <laughs> as they usually are. <laughs> so um in the world I'm much I would say I'm the most familiar with is probably like the Forgotten Realms world. So in kind of just to understand um, a little bit more on the Pantheon, um, like you have Tempest, which is the god of war or the god of battle, right? For Forgotten Realms. There's not a specific god that venerates that. There's just a, in this world, there's just a, there's one god that has different parts that make up him, right? Um, well, or is that not known there? Yeah. There's not so much. It's not like, yeah, it's definitely different. It's not like a God of war, mm-hmm. but there, there is one that is, is yeah. does more associate with conflict. Okay. And then there's one that kind of associates with uh, chaos. Um, I imagine those two hang out. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> just trying to think of how they would kind of they don't really map out you know because if you if you look at the realms or almost any of the D settings where there's dozens if not hundreds of different gods there are and they all have like specific domains that they're in charge of and yeah it sounds like this one isn't necessarily that it's just they've they kind of cross over to to that area it's just not as strictly defined so the yeah so the the five gods um uh, there's numara mm-hmm. and so each one would so there's not like domains because like they don't like uh well, clerics don't have domain powers per se but they have um like what they call them aspects okay so whenever people are uh, maybe 
thinking about the God or maybe praying for a certain thing, you know, maybe lighting a candle. Uh, there would be there would be a particular God they might try to go to. Sure. But because there's only five, yeah, they don't cover every base. Like there's not. There's not a maybe a God for one specific element. But there would be, if you were saying a prayer for the end of a conflict, you may say that prayer to the God who kind of presides over the conflict. Right. So okay. uh, so like Numara, um, it's like is the her aspects or their aspects are like mother earth uh, life and tradition so it's the um it's uh, maybe this maternal sort of deity the faces of it so when people think about what you know images they see it's they're all associated with kind of life and and there is a feminine aspect to it mm-hmm. um but not exclusively and that's the other thing is that you know especially by culture you might have, they might be represented differently. So you can't say, well, this is a female God. I mean, they could be, they could appear in any different ways. So that's Numara. And then there's Aitvar, which is um, mostly, uh, that's the closest to the God of war. It's more like people think of Aitvar as the warrior uh, or uh, they, they have valor and retribution so that would be like the god of conflict, if mm-hmm. there is one. But yeah, it's um, the the aspect also of, of it is judgment. Okay. So there are people who uh, worship Idvar who are um, they uh, trying to think of they if there's conflict. I was, I was trying to think what would uh, you know I don't want <laughs> I don't want to lean on popular culture too much, but uh, you know how like in like. Star Wars, people think of the mm-hmm. Jedi as like these mediators that come, come settle, yeah. settle disputes. Um, so cler- there, so a cleric in general could be considered to have that role, but people who favor Aitvar um, could be called in to settle disputes because of the, the aspect of judgment. Sure. Okay. So th- there's a lot of different faces there. So it's not just like, oh, I'm, you know, let's go, let's go have a battle, but there's, there's different parts of it. Hmm. What are the other gods? Uh, there's Kirgan, um, which had the the different faces. Uh, there's like there's time. There's like or the timekeeper. And so some of the imagery of Kirgan are are like images of like clocks and the passage of time, but also of law and of um, and of death. So it's mm. it's some it's this kind of some strange imagery that goes along there. Um, so the interesting thing about the Kirg, the, the powers that cleric clerics get from Kirgan is the power to compel truth. Ah. So there are um, p- the clerics who favor Kirgan are sometimes called barristers. Okay. Because they they uh, they they learn they will tend like as a vocation will learn about law, and so they're kind of like almost like medieval lawyers basically. Hmm. And if they, you know, you have to get down to the bottom of things that they can come and force the truth out of people. It would be handy for a lawyer to have that ability. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and then the last two, there's Tobris, which is the, um, the traveler progress and empathy are some of the faces of Tobris. Um, it's about kind of breathing, uh, bringing uh, like the power of uh, the, 
for clerics for Tobers is what they call soothing words, which is to bring comfort and peace to people and to bring calm. So it's there, they're this um, calming force. And then Isana is, uh, she's the trickster or he or they, or the trickster God. It's this chaos. Uh, some people call her the laughing lady. She just, yeah, just there seems to be this revelry of chaos, which is really kind of is, you know, there's a kind of an opposite for each one of these. So mm-hmm. this, this is where the pentacle comes in. And that is actually kind of a religious symbol is the pentacle uh, because each one has kind of opposites in certain ways. So that's what we have. And so show, yeah, the trickster chaos and wit are some of the forces of interesting, but people who feel like Asana has, you know, maybe you know, either helped or hindered them. They, they talk about the, the laughter, the, the laughing lady, the laughing voices they'll hear. Interesting. Yeah. So those are the okay. stuff, the five. So, yeah, that's kind of neat to have. It's a benefit, I would think, to have kind of a smaller pantheon because certainly with Forgotten Realms, and again, um, that's just the system I'm most familiar with. Uh, there's so many gods that preside over maybe just a specific domain. Mm-hmm. So you have like T- Timora, who's the goddess of luck. So that's... You know, interesting, I mean, and, and they have many, 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 many more. So it's nice to be able to kind of boil it down to five. And that would make sense. That would make sense that there's only a, a few, a handful. But they don't, uh, other than the occasional omen or uh, working through like intermediaries, they don't have like physical forms that they manifest to. No, not that, not, I mean, if, if maybe people may claim, but not that Certainly. they're Just like... In real, you know, people see Jesus in a potato chip, <laughs> you know. <laughs> so, okay. Um, it's, so I kind of have a pretty good answer for this question, but is this, would you consider this a high fantasy setting? Or is this, you did mention something about clocks, though, so I wasn't sure if this was something that was a little further along in the kind of history timeline beyond high fantasy. Sure. Um the it doesn't have a direct equivalent to like earth history because mm-hmm. it's obviously not starting as earth as a backbone um i kind of went back to the well and really looked at you know advances in technology and compared to you know advances in magic so yes in a high fantasy you know there's obviously plenty of magic to go around and wizards and and you know crazy monsters and things like that and Weak magic is very ubiquitous. Like a lot of people can just cast cantrips. Like you know, okay. commoners can just cast your you know your basic cantrip. Okay, uh, but cantrips cantrips in my system are also they're very weak. So it's like you know simple like mending spells and little light spells and little cleaning spells and warm your tea spells. So there's a lot of some day to day functionality that people can use to just make their lives a little better. But it's not like uh, Eberron, if you're familiar with that. It's it's not like this steampunk magic. Got it. Like, yeah. It's, it, so magic has not been like really commercialized because most of it's very weak. But it's so it's present. So people are yeah. It's part of people's day to day lives. Um. But yeah, there is technology specifically with uh, the dwarves. They uh, they're they're more the tinkerers, and mm-hmm. so they have yeah. There's there's a lot of advances in uh, mechanician, and 
even if you look at like the real world, real world history, you know, we had watches and timekeeping devices and a lot of things even back, you know, the Renaissance period. So mm-hmm. technologically, it would be like pre-industrial revolution. It's 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 full on towards the end of the Renaissance. And my idea is that there are some advances in like engine building, but not to the point where it's it's affecting industrialization at all. It's okay. like very early on. Sure. So, you know, you might see some, we might come across some dwight, some crazy dwarven mechanical car at some point, mm-hmm. but it's not like everybody's driving these things around. It's going to be like, oh, what the heck is this? This is really sure. bizarre. Um, there's also some very early advances, like they're working on like the very first like train type things. Okay. So it's not a steam age. Right. But there's, um, oh, well, and so there are riverboats, though. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So there are some dwarven-made riverboats that are created by dwarves but not owned owned or operated by the dwarves. <laughs> that sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. In in kind of talking about the races, so it sounds like the the dwarves kind of take on that function of the the makers, the tinkerers, the... Yeah, the curious minds that invent, uh, whereas in some place settings has them as also industrious, but much more the miner, the 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 dwarf that lives in the mountain um, that mines through, uh, and then they make stuff, but they they're making mostly weapons and armor as as kind of industry. So how how do the races uh, kind of differ from maybe someone's preconceived notions on on um, you know, maybe what they've been in previous campaign settings. Well, I mean, we'll st- I mean, starting with the dwarves because they definitely had the biggest overhaul. Um, I, I didn't want to just regurgitate everything that's already been done. Mm-hmm. So the dwarves are, they're the small folk and they're the only ones. So they basically are an amalgamation of, of you know, the fantasy dwarves that we get from Tolkien but without, yeah, the the mountains and the smiths and all that, uh, kind of mixed with the halflings and the gnomes. If you take these, like, you know, these three separate ideas that people have been using now forever, <laughs> yeah, and, and I I think take some of the, some of the more interesting parts of each one of them and create something new, so that you uh, you have this race of makers, um, but but there are also there are, you know, there's a whole pastoral sect. So they're also, uh, you know, farmers and, you know, they, they produce some of the best orchards. So you have, not everybody's just about making stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, at least like, like, you know, something physical, but that actually is one part of being a dwarf is that every, every one of them, they are, they are makers though. Right. So if it's not making clocks, it's maybe they're making shovels, but everything they make is a thing of beauty. So, it's not just the act of making; it's making, um, but but everything is like about designed for both function and form. So it's their form of art. Yeah, it's it's art and utility okay. together. So past the dwarves, I uh, saw obviously we have humans, and um, I imagine they are very similar <laughs> to humans. Yeah. Um, so the thing with the humans, because the world the the world is big. Right. And it's not fully explored. Okay. Like this is this is not 
we, we'll get into ancient empires, but this isn't like, you know, humans have been around for 10,000 years and we've had some, you know, empires built upon empires. Um, the human, I mean, each race started at one place in the world. Yeah. And the humans are the ones that expanded out. They're the, like if there's a driving force behind the humans is they're the adventures, they're, they're the explorers. So if the dwarves are the makers, the humans are the explorers. And they're the ones that, you know, learn shipbuilding. And they're the first ones to try to brave the seas, you know, at their own peril because it's a big dangerous world and try to find distant shores. So that that is like the core part of being a human is like pushing the boundaries and trying to see what's beyond the next horizon. Okay. And the, and, the need to explore. Yeah. Okay. And so, the, so, you know, we're going to pick up the humans have, have come to the land where the dwarves are and have begun to settle there. And that's going to be part of the story. Okay. And uh, we have some of the more, I wouldn't say uncommon uh, races, but maybe not commonly played uh, races such as uh, fairies, correct? Yeah. And uh, sprites or brownies, I believe. I think there's brownies. Well, so there's uh, there. it's fey in general. Fey in general. Like there is this fey race that comes from, you know, maybe elsewhere. Okay. From, from this fey realm. And they, uh, I really leaned on um, folklore, like real world folklore about uh, you know, people's belief in the early fae and how brownies would come and occupy your houses and, and fairies would play and, the, and they would skirt at the edges of civilization. And so you have this raw magic and there's the different races of, yeah, of the fae and some of them gravitate towards civilization and humanity particularly. Okay. So yeah, we, um, in the core rules, there's going to be, there's like five suggested fae races, but there's plenty of room for you know, down the line, for people to explore maybe other types of fae too. Sure. So yeah, so we have yeah, we've got fairies and brownies, uh, corids, which are like the crazy-haired, that's knobby right. need little creatures. Uh, you've, you've got the the naiads, which are you know the the wa- the creatures of the water. Yep. Um, so yeah, there's um, there's a sampling basically of the recommended fae to start with, the beginner fae. <laughs> Will uh will the rules kind of accommodate for or have um, kind of information or instruction on how to integrate your own kind of fae creature from maybe legend that you want to play that's not one of those? Yeah, absolutely. Okay, I mean, that'll be something that will kind of grow over time. Sure. My my thought is that as the best year evolves, that there'll be more potentially playable races in there that aren't really like the core recommended ones. Sure. And, and as far as the races go, so obviously a big hot topic with, uh, another tabletop role-playing game, we'll say <laughs> is, uh, the, how to associate ability modifiers, how to determine how races are generally, I don't want to say perceived, but how, how their history of, you know, their their entire generation or civilization has kind of engineered them for a specific or a particular 
uh, a particular ability set. So dwarves, you know, the Tolkien dwarves, very hardy, very strong. So in D&D past, you would have a bonus to strength, a bonus to constitution. How does that play out in this game system? Um, well, it doesn't. Okay. Specifically, there there are no stats tied to races. Okay. And um, the only stat modifiers are based upon your physical size. Oh, okay. So if you just, for example, if I was playing as a troll, right? Or a, which, uh, Yes, which is a playable race. Which is a playable race. And I am very big. Mm-hmm. Um, like eight feet tall. How How big I am is going to reflect how strong I am, but not necessarily how quickly I can move because I am very big. Right. So basically there's a, the larger you are, your strength goes up and your dexterity goes down Okay. because you become, you know, it has to do with gravity and inertia. Like you, you become slower, the larger you get. Sure. So yeah, you, you have, and you have to be stronger to have mobility and lift this larger frame. So that's, yeah, it has nothing to do with the race. It really has to do with, uh, I guess, a pragmatic size. Sure. And each race will have kind of um, a predetermined ratio of sizes it can be, right? Yeah, yeah. Each one comes with a size chart, and okay. you can basically roll on it to get, you know, within this range of sizes so somebody can't be like, I want to be an eight-foot human. Well, they, human. <laughs> they don't get, in my game world, they don't, they don't get that big. Right? Okay. They're, they're, there's, there's, a, there's a cultural norm, and then there's some deviations. So if you wanted to play a, uh, a human who is maybe very short but very strong, how would that work out in the game system? Oh, you totally can, right? Because you you have um, you've got your your base stats that you start with, and then you have points that you raise and lower your stats. Oh, yeah. okay. So there are points that you can use to do that. It's just done. Your your base stats are determined by your size, and then you can change those stats based on the leveling up experience or the game or the character creation experience. Uh, well, you uh, so basically every every your Everybody starts out with a base of 10 and all their stats. Okay. Which is initially modified by your size, plus or minus. I see. So dex and strength are modified. So your your baseline's modified. And then you get a pool of points to allocate your stats how you want. Awesome. Um, so the limiting factor is you can't, uh, the most you can do is double a stat. So from it's, its inception. From its, from its inception. So if you have a base 10, you could dump all your points if you really wanted to just sort of focus on one stat. It'd which would be really it, strong. You'd be really strong, horribly imbalanced, right? But yeah, you could right. get up to a 20 strength. But if you are a fairy and your strength, your base strength was lowered down to like a four. You can only go up to an eight. You could go up to an eight, which would still be really strong for somebody who's two feet tall. For a fairy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Yeah. So it, it sounds like the game system, um, and maybe you just kind of pointed it out or, or alluded to it, but it sounds like the game system is very heavily favored towards balance for characters as opposed to uh, mid-maxing uh, or dump stats. It definitely favors that. Um, it definitely does not stop people from doing it. Like, I don't... It's one of those things where I, I wanted to build it for fun, but also to make it 
yeah, feel balanced and make people want to build balanced characters. So there's motivations for trying to balance your stats out. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, if somebody's like, yeah, I just want to play human with a 20 strength and a 20 con and dump everything else, you can. And you will definitely, you know, reap the benefits of being really strong and you will suffer for yeah. all the other stats that you dumped because everything serves a purpose. And that kind of alludes to the skill system. And maybe we're kind of crossing that border between more of the world kind of building or the world questions to maybe more of the systematic questions. Sure. So the the how the system works. So before we get into that, there is one question I did want to go over more that is kind of in that world realm would be how does how does magic work? And in this, how does it work itself into the world that you've created? And what are the differences of kinds of magic? So you alluded earlier that everybody possesses, maybe not everybody, but most people possess the ability to cast a cantrip uh, uh, to warm some tea, as you put it. Right. How does that magic change over time to be something you know, where's the top end? Can are there wizards that can cast spells of monumental power and call down elemental storms on their foes, or is a lot of the magic going to be very subtle? It, um, if there was going to be for people who, since our audience, you know, primarily either plays D and D or just randomly listens to our show, right? <laughs> uh, if yeah. you're familiar with D and D, at least definitely the older versions, um. The highest, uh, the highest level spell that is that is is currently in the game is fifth level, and okay. so my spells, I so I, I this is all written completely from scratch. So I've got about three hundred starting spells. Ooh, and they were definitely written with balance in mind. Uh, they're a little less zany and maybe a little more practical, but. Okay. Um, so Can you explain that a little bit when you, I mean, because I, I I guess, again, my experience is very heavy into D&D. So when you think of zany spells in D&D, could you point one out? Uh, color spray, mad monkeys. Okay. Um, Prismatic <laughs> spray, maybe. Yeah. I which mean. Which is just the, the steroid induced version of color spray. You know, things that just do the random effects. Uh there's yeah there's really really no chaotic sort of outcomes okay um, so in your world though would a would a somebody who's a practiced spellcaster be able to call down a bolt of lightning to oh, strike yeah. at their foe oh absolutely yeah okay yeah no, so yeah, big effects of, still exist just maybe not silly silly yeah it's effects. definitely not silly <laughs> um there's not like wide ranging uh weather management Okay. There's some like localized, you know, some, you can call rain, but you're not going to create a, a tempest. Got it. You know, you can summon winds, but yeah, you're not going to make a hurricane. So there is kind of a top edge, um, high. It, so is the magic considered different? So would a commoner be able to kind of learn and practice and then eventually be able to do some of these giant magical effects or, or is there a particular you know event does somebody go to a wizarding school i guess is what i'm saying or is it something you just inherently have well yeah so that's there's a mechanic answer to that and then there's the 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 world which i think i I think people might be more interested just talking about the world but sure so the mechanical aspect of it is 
is that the most powerful spell that anybody can cast is limited by their intelligence stat bonus. So if you have a 10 intelligence, you have a stat bonus of zero and you can cast cantrips. Okay. And if that's all your intelligence was, that's the most you could ever hope to cast. And how do you get those cantrips? Well, you have to learn it, right? So because they are, okay. because they are, everything is skill-based, you would need to, uh, yeah, you'd need to gain a level and put points into it. <laughs> you know, from a story perspective, yeah, you mean, theoretically you would have to learn it from somebody. So my the way I've kind of built my setting is that people in the town who are able to cast cantrips would probably be like any other skill, right? Like if you know a couple interesting cantrips, then you might teach it to your kids. Sure. Right. Um, oh, the same way that if you were a blacksmith, you would teach your kids how to do it as well. Right. But then but then there are schools that people go to, to like who are talented enough, who, you know, maybe they have that 16 intelligence and then people recognize, oh, uh, you could be something great. So people can either, you know, apprentice and try to find somebody to teach them. Mm-hmm. But uh, one of the ideas I have is that a lot of towns would want to have, you know, town wizards because of the practicality and you know, the utility and the defense. So they might say, hey, we're going to send, um, we're going to send this kid off. We recognize his talent and we're going to go pay for you to go off and learn. And then you're going to come back and you're going to work for the town to pay off the you know the price of the school sure so yeah so basically the town towns can act as benefactors to send people off to get okay. to learn this stuff and then bring it back and and support the town and whatever magical needs that they may have yeah okay that's kind of an interesting thought that i imagine puts a lot of pressure on that kid sure right <laughs> Um, but the neat thing about it because going back to the idea of magic being ubiquitous if you have uh, you know, half a dozen people in a little town that can cast the light cantrip that you could have like little light posts, right? For at night. Right. And the, all right, it's getting dark and people kind of go out and they maybe have a designated light post that they go and they cast sure. their cast their light spell and now they've they've lit their corner of the town. So you can kind of have some, you know, it it's not like, oh, I've filled with street lamps and burning all night, but it, you know, people can work together. Sure. And kind of create something useful for the town. Hmm. Okay. So there's definitely, it seems like a a pretty staunch difference between the, the small cantrip and then the other magical effects. Yeah. I mean, with, um, you know, going up only up to level five, there's each one is, it's not a huge jump, but yeah, there's a big difference between a cantrip and a fifth level spell. Yeah. And, And just like there would be in pretty much any other game system. And you would think that, uh, you know, player characters aside, there's not a lot of people that could cast fifth level spells, right? Because you'd have to have a 20 intelligence, right? You've got a plan for it. Right. Now, kind of, um, again, uh, this this is definitely going to be more in that system realm. How does the leveling system work? Like, do you get different attribute points as you level up? You get one point uh, every five levels. Okay. Yeah. One point. So your your character is pretty heavily defined at first level then. First stats, yeah. So yeah. if you're thinking, if you want to build a wizard and you're like, yeah, I want to get 
to fifth level spells, you think, well, you know, fifth level, you get a point, tenth level. So, you know, well, by 20th level, you could have plus four. So then you have to plan ahead and make sure that you've built out your character so that you're, you know, you start with high enough intelligence so that you can get there. So now if you dumped, just like you said earlier, if you dumped all your points into like intelligence, is there anything stopping a first level character from casting a fifth level spell? Well, there's still a caster level too. Okay. So there's, there's two, there's two parts to it, right? There's so the, the ability skill. and then the, the, the actual, you, the level you have to be to cast the spell. Right. And your caster level is, uh, you, that, that goes up every five levels. So, okay. well, actually, that's not accurate. It goes up every five skill ranks. So a magician can start out with, with five or six ranks in spellcraft. So the ability to cast first, first level, level spells. spells. Yeah. And they won't, that means they won't get their second level spells for potentially four or five levels. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, magic system has kind of a slower increase in power it does. but there's less overall levels of power so it's not like with D having ninth level spells it's not like you have to be level 45 to cast the maximum level spell no yeah so your 20th level magician sure is probably going to be like not you know well because of the way ranks work and you can get some backgrounds you could probably cast fifth level spells as early as 18th level Okay. So uh, another question with levels of characters kind of with other tabletop role playing a lot in D and D there's not a lot of level 20 PCs walking around, right? It's just not the way that that system was really kind of designed um, with some of the modules and adventures and stuff. How does, how do heroes in your particular world kind of level out? Are there, is it, you know, a level 20th character would be like a king or, or an advisor to a king of a particular area, or would that be, you know, a knight, I guess, to that king? I guess, how do you see that working out? I think that there's a lot more high level pe level people than in your typical settings. Okay. Um, the way I'm imagining it and has a lot to do with the way the mechanics work because this is very much mechanic, like blending mechanics with setting is that people who aren't adventurers who are not skyrocketing up because they're going out and risking their lives and, and, you know, accelerating their advancement still advance like progressively just because they're alive and they're doing stuff. Right. So, sure. Um, so, I'm. I have an idea that people just if you want to figure out well how skilled somebody is, is maybe how long they've been practicing whatever they're doing. Okay. So, you, so instead of tying it to adventuring, you tie it more to time. So, yeah, your veteran, you know, the commander of the guards or whatever for a big city who's been like, I've been doing this for thirty years. Well, maybe he is twenty level. You know, and you're in your you know, really skilled guards who've been, you know, they've been doing that for a decade. They might be, might, might be 10th level. Okay. So, but you could also have a 20th level craft craftsman, you know, it's like they've just been doing their craft for so long and they've reached this pinnacle of achievement. Um, but because of how over the other skills tie together, 
it doesn't really make them super powerful. It just makes them really good at what they're doing. Okay. So I guess from another system element, and I think this is the last question that I had pre-prepared for this. Okay. The last question I have is, can you explain the concept of edge and what that means for someone who may have positive or negative edge? Sure. Uh, so in the, yeah, one of the fundamental parts, uh, aspects of adventurous edge is the idea that I was trying to reduce tables as much as I could. There are still tables <laughs> and for people who've been listening to the show, you know, that I don't love five E it's fine. It works, mm-hmm. but it's not like, Oh, I'm just, I'm never going to be a brand ambassador unless they pay me a lot of money, <laughs> but you know, it's fine. But one thing I felt like they really did well is the idea of the advantage and disadvantage. So simple. It's, it's like, yeah, it's like, this is, this is great. Just roll um, two, take the lower of the yeah. two. Yeah. It's, and it's, you don't have to worry about, I mean, cause that's one of the things like with Pathfinder is like, Oh, there's a chart for everything. And then what's, what's your penalty? What's your bonus? Oh yeah. Why don't we just have an advantage or disadvantage? So I, I took that, to the next level. Okay. Where you can have a lot of different modifiers to a skill that increase or decrease your edge. And basically that allows you to roll more dice because what's more fun than rolling two dice and taking the highest, but rolling four dice and taking the highest. (laughs) So you can have super advantage. That's pretty much what it is. Okay. Is that, that, yeah, situationally, you know, maybe it's gear, maybe it's just the environment, maybe it's something that you've done to give yourself an advantage, is the idea that instead of having a table with modifiers, you're still going to roll the same skills, but yeah, there's no limit to how many dice you can roll. There's a practical, I mean, I I don't know if there's going to be a situation where you would ever roll five or six dice, like... It might just be limited by the number of times that you can get edge, like the the number of like outside factors that may impact that role, right? Right, right. But but the idea is that there isn't a um, codified limit. Okay. So I don't have to worry about it. I think the I mean the situational will take care of itself. But yeah, but sure. You can... So you could possibly get if there was ten ways that advantage or disadvantage to a could apply to a role you could get theoretically the ability to roll 10 d20s to determine whether you're successful or i mean yes it, 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 i'm it, just saying it, if there was if there was things, some way to get it you, you it, could get yeah, it. there wouldn't be a rule saying no you, you can't have more got it. it can you imagine succeeding on a role with 10 disadvantages that would be pretty that would be pretty epic. That would be that would be a day <laughs> for D. That would be a picture you'd have to take. That <laughs> yeah. So I don't even think I don't even think that uh, Thad could mess that up. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, uh, yeah, that was kind of all of my questions that I had. Um, is there are there some items that you want to kind of discuss about the world? Well, I mean, I've been working obviously on the the the, the notion of this the season one story, and it definitely what I'm, I want people to be excited about it. It's one of those things is like, you know, you know, obviously we you know, we we've we're pretty invested in the Dungeon Patrol story, and because and that may be one of those questions why was like why are we gonna have a different feed, 
And the real reason for me is like, this is a different story. It's a different world. Everything is completely different. And I felt like it was the time to, it's like, well, we need a different channel for this. Because ultimately I do want to kind of, I, I do want to come back and do season four of Dungeon Patrol. I, I don't know what the future is going to hold, but uh, I'm, I'm excited about a new story and a new world. And I think that there's a lot of really interesting things in the world that uh, will maybe be exciting. It's going to be, you know, it is fantasy. It is going to be lots of exploration. You know, there's definitely plenty of monsters to fight and, uh, there's some political maneuverings. The uh, the setting, the the the, the starter, um, is that the characters are going to, you know, they're all going to be very young. I, I we we still don't know exactly what everybody's race is. I mean, we've created some mock characters and we've done some demo stuff, but I don't know that everybody's like settled on their character yet. I I know I haven't. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, it's a new system. It's like everybody wants to kind of try everything out. But so there's going to be uh, the idea is that that 20 years ago, there was this really horrible. Well, there was an invasion um, on the western shores from these elves from afar, uh, and they were called the Unrooted, and they basically invaded. Um, they invaded the kingdom of Gilmore. So there's three human kingdoms. I mean, so you guys are going to be living in the kingdom of Landon. Mm-hmm. Well, actually, the Duchy of Landon. Sorry. And the, the the Duchy of Gilmore was sacked by these elven invaders. That invasion ended up getting prematurely cut off due to some. Uh, we won't get too far into it here, but there was a there was a magical disaster that wiped out a good part of their army, and then they ended up getting routed. But at the tail end of their invasion, there was a plague that came out of nowhere, and it only affected humans, and it just it ravaged through the human kingdom and unfortunately killed off a lot of people mm-hmm. and the government's nearly toppled. So we, we are going to pick up it's 20 years later and you guys are basically plague babies. You know, you, you grew up, it's going to be <laughs> not to be too much in the moment here, but it's going to be the people who are born now who are like, Oh yeah. You know, they've had to live in this world with the plague. Now is the plague still there? No, no, it, it, it like it, it ran for like 2 years and then went away. Okay. And that's going to be one of those little mysteries. Like why why did it go? It just gone. Okay. Um but it changed things. Like the world changed because of it. And so you create, you know, you've got these, you know, different population now because you've got this whole new young young generation. Um so you you know you, so the characters are going to be ones that are probably born from this tragedy, but not really knowing about it. Like it's it happened, you know. Everybody talks about it. All the people that were left alive that are older definitely will talk about it. But it it left, you know, entire towns, you know, ghost towns. You know, people had to like come back together, and the, like like the the duchies contracted, and the the, the kingdom, like there's no king on the throne. And there's a lot of political machinations going on that you guys might get drawn into. So maybe, maybe, right? Yeah, this this could go a lot of different ways. And I really, also, really want the characters to kind of drive their involvement in the world. Okay. So I'm not planning 
like to, to force you guys down a particular path. You know, oh, you've got to save the world. Things are already wrecked. And you guys are going to be part of maybe the rebuilding process. And how? Or we're just going to be evil. Ooh, an oh. evil campaign. Oh, geez. Um, <laughs> have you have you thought about that? <laughs> no, I, I, haven't, I haven't considered that. Um, uh, no, it has to happen. But you maybe you know maybe you guys just want to be explorers. I mean, there's there's a lot to explore, and there's there are also ancient ruins of another race that uh, sometime before occupied this land, not human. So there there are these really ancient ruins that people were, you know, really starting to explore before everything fell apart. So there's a, sure. there's the world is rife, ready for adventure. Okay. And uh, we're going to just inject you guys into it. See what happens. See what, yeah. And see what happens. You're going to have some adventure. I don't know. I'm, I'm excited. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm pumped. I, I've made a, a few test characters. I had that uh, dwarven chef that I was pretty attached to for a little bit. Um, <laughs> Yeah. So, uh, any idea as far as timing for content? Yeah, you know, because um, I imagine that is the question that people want the answer to. They do, and honestly, I thought we would have content dropping by now. I did. I, you know, when <laughs> when everything kind of changed in December, and we knew we were going to go in a different direction. And then, and then, you know, then Ted had to bow out, unfortunately, in case you missed that memo, Ted, Ted is taking the year off. Hopefully it's not indefinite, uh, but he's had some life changes, some good things, but he needs, he needs some time. And we're bringing in, uh, another friend of mine, which you guys, you know, you know her now you've met her, but, uh, mm-hmm. uh Kendra's going to be joining us and that's pretty exciting. Uh, we, we, we played Pathfinder. I mean, it's been a, quite a long time. So, but yeah, we've had, we've had some more setbacks. So I've got the space here. I've got new gear. We've got new, I mean, we got everything but the steak. You know, I'm hoping that we're going to record sessions, you know, session zero, you know, within two weeks. I thought, I thought it was me this weekend, but we know there was another, you know, we've had some other things come up that have delayed people and life has happened. Life has. has happened for, for us. So yeah, I feel like I don't know. I I, I want it to be soon, um, but I also don't want us to get off on the wrong foot. You know, we we had so many any recording interruptions last season that you know because we you know we try to get someone that can before mm-hmm. we we drop. So you know, day one you can have your half a dozen episodes or so, but by the end of the season, we were recording. And then editing and airing like pretty much the same day. Yep. And that, if you've never done this, that is really stressful. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> I didn't do a lot of the work and it was stressful for me. <laughs> oh my gosh. I, so I don't want to get into that again. Um, so would it be correct to say that there'll be recordings out when they are ready? Yeah. Yeah. yeah, you know, and so obviously because it's going to be a different feed, and that feed is not yet live because we don't have recordings yet. Mm-hmm. Uh, y- you guys, I-, I will post a link to uh, a few things on this uh, on this episode. But the yeah, the feed is going to be named Adventures Edge or Adventures Edge RPG. Um, we have a Discord that I've created. 
And that was one thing that I don't, we never really got a lot of fan engagement last, like, you know, the previous seasons. I mean, some minimal, but I, I don't know how much people really want that. And if you just want to just listen to it and, and that's cool. But so I've created a discord channel, which I'll create a link to that. If you want to join in and I would like to try to build a community out of this. So you are welcome to join. So that is adventures edge. I'm also doing world building out um, on World Anvil. Yep, I, which I visited that. Um, I I have some stuff out there. It is definitely not all out there, but I will share that link because people who like to see more of the world aspects, I, I like me as a player or a listener. I know I do, but I know not everybody does. So I want to share as much as I can so people can go out and look at maps and sure and read lore and things like that and follow the campaign maybe in a different form. So that is going to be something new. Are there are if people have questions about the world, can they let us know on the Discord? Yeah, absolutely. Um there's a there's going to be a channel, it's the freelancers. Mhm. which that ties actually to world lore. Okay. Um the uh, and that's the notion that freelancers are basically <laughs> still have the <laughs> <laughs> the tambourine. Yeah. Um, if you are, you're basically they're kind of like Ronin. They're basically people not in service of a lord. So that's the equivalent of, of adventurers. But that's the term for people who are out doing, you know, fighting monsters and doing things on behalf of you know, their towns or whatever, Something. <laughs> but for whatever motivation, whatever, whatever motivates them, but they're not, they're not in service of Lord. So that's, there's a channel called the freelancers. People can join that. So you guys can all be freelancers. And which did you know, that's a real historical term that goes back to mercenary freelancing com- freelancing. Yeah. Literally is like mercenary companies. Well, yeah. Your Lance yeah. as a knight would be free if you didn't, weren't tied to a Lord. Yeah. I didn't actually know that until oh. you know, a few months ago. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it's one of those things. It's like you, you should have asked. I would have told you. There's so many, there's so many of these things with like the, the, the terminology we use today that just goes so far back. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah. The, it, yeah, that can be really interesting when you find out like kind of the, how words are, how old some words or, you know, some languages is yeah. kind of nice. It's kind of fun to research. So yeah, I definitely want to give people a lot of ways to engage. Um, we are going to have a Patreon a little farther down the line, but I actually plan on having some real Patreon benefits. So for people who did support us before, we definitely thank you. And my goal before we set this up is that there's some clear benefits, like like a private channel, um, you know, maybe hidden lore on the the World Anvil site, you know, different ideas. I'm I'm still kind of work. You know, workshopping sure. so yeah i don't know there's a lot going on there's it, a lot it involved. sounds like it and we'll post links to that here so if you wanted to get a you know jump on the discord and start chatting you can i imagine we will probably have one more drop like announcing that adventures edge is live uh, on and this channel then we'll probably go dark after that for probably for the rest of the year i would imagine and then we'll just be focusing on that other channel. So, yeah, we'll look for that update. If this is the only way you want to engage with us, just you know, keep us in your subscribe list for a little while longer. We'll let you know when the other one's live. 
It's probably, I don't know. Like, I, I don't want to set a time. I'm like, I, I'm yeah, thinking, you know, I, it's like, it might be another six weeks. It, it very it, well could, you be. know, cause I, I want to have some stuff in the can. So I want people to be able to hit it, subscribe, and then like have at least a few dropped on day one to get some excitement going. Yeah. So we, we will try to do it right and we're not going to rush it. And uh, I think that's important because I know as a, as a person who was doing it last year, it was pretty stressful towards the end of the year, especially yeah. getting to the holiday time. It gets real difficult. It to does. Do uh, yeah. And it, most, most important, I want to have fun. Yeah. You know, I've got, I've got a lot of stories that I'm looking forward to engaging people in and I'm just looking forward to being around the table again and doing some recording and just. It is high time that I play some tabletop role playing games. Are you? Yeah. Are you, you? You're in some other games, though. Right? I am in some other games, okay. but I, like I had it. a lot of fun with this game. I'd yeah. like it to go back. Yeah. <laughs> I know our. You know, I've talked about our Pathfinder game, and we're we're uh, you know book six of the Iron Fang Invasion Adventure oh, wow. Path, and I think we're down to like easily less than ten episodes left. Oh, I say episode goodness. like I mean we're like it's like that tell sessions, yeah, and it's like oh how my long gosh. has that been going on for? Four and a half years. Oh my goodness! It'll actually we're probably going to hit five years. I think it's actually in June. We'll be of our like our five year mark. Oh my gosh! I know. Talk I've about never had long. a campaign that long. Um, I mean, I think I have, but not, you know, more like. It's like people just, you know, like friends that we knew and we yeah. played and you, it wasn't like one contiguous story. Right. Yeah. Right. This is the the second adventure path I've run. This is the, the first one that I will finish. Nice. Yeah. I finished two modules start to finish without TPKs, which was I was pretty excited about. I just had one. I know, I know we're getting off subject, but I oh, just had one. Last week, another TPK for the party because why they split the party. <laughs> oh, it's, it, oh, it's such a rookie mistake. These uh, things happen though. Yeah, they, well, you know, they do. Uh, I've actually not, I mean, I, as long as I've been DMing, I've never had a TPK. I mean, plenty of characters have died, and I don't, I mean, I don't pull punches. And well, this was. This yeah, so I've I've had two TPKs, um, a lot of player death, but two TPKs. But uh, the I finished two modules. Those are the ones that I did without fizzling out. This last TPK was just a myriad of people splitting up and then hitting traps at the wrong times, and it was it was odd in the dungeon of the Mad Mage. You know, oh yeah, level thirteen. They were pretty far down. Yeah, I um. I mean, yeah, we've hit the R mark, but it's one of those things you just want to talk about playing. I I, I love yeah. tabletop role-playing games, yeah. so they're just fun to talk about. I think I said that in the, the very first episode of Dungeons & Dagmars, that I could talk about this all day. Like Captain America, I could do this all day. Yeah, I think so too. <laughs> but yeah, it's, uh, you know, I don't, I'm, I don't know how Adventure's Edge is going to, you know, obviously we're to be playtesting, right? But it's like... I think I'm 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 worried about the deadliness of it, so I'm really hoping that we don't get in. And yeah, how some... is that going to manifest, or how is that going to play into the podcast format? Because at the end of the year, if I'm on my eighth character, it's going to be really hard to think of new voices. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be the classic where you just take your character and add a 
Junior on it or whatever. Yeah, I'll go from Jerry to Terry to Larry. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. I you know I I'm hoping that uh, you guys will get into the rhythm of it and feel the system out and. I think that's going to be the dangerous part. Is going to be the first few combats, just sure. getting getting a little bit idea of the system and how how potentially something could be a lot more deadly than we anticipate. Yeah, because I think you know if people who are listening to our show who are here because they all, like they love five E. Um, I I think that listening to this, it's going to sound like D and D, like like you'll hear a lot of the same terminology and you'll be readily able to follow along. Um, but one of the, you know, characters aren't going to be sacks of hit points. That's probably the, one of the big changes. Yeah. So that was certainly the thing that I was really surprised with from a, from a leveling standpoint, leveling up doesn't necessarily make you hardier as no, no, you kind of start out with some base hit points and then you have to develop that. Yeah, and, and you have to spend your experience. You have to spend your your skill points to raise your hit points, and it's a crawl. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, you wear armor and you you play smart, and or you make new characters. <laughs> yeah, hopefully not. Hopefully not. We'll see. Yeah. We'll see. It'll be interesting. Yeah, you know, we'll we'll work it out. So I'm excited. Oh, I don't know. I've said that about ten times already. Yeah, but I, it's so true. It's yeah. like, oh, I just want to get like I want to play now. Well, we are getting closer as we get through, and uh, thank you for meeting with me, Don, and talking a little bit about uh, the new, yeah. the new campaign, the new setting, and the new system. So, uh, you know, hopefully, people can listen to this, have a little bit better idea of what's going on. When uh... so, we are anticipating uh, recording a session zero. Is that going to be? the start of the campaign or is that going to be start of the creation process for maybe the characters? So my plan is that when we, when we all to get together next, uh, we'll record our session zero, which I I'm hoping everybody actually shows up with their character. Okay. Right. And then we're going to record the session zero, which would be like that preliminary party gets together and goes out on, you know, it does your sure. first quest, but that's not going to be the first episode to drop. Because okay. as I've kind of learned from <laughs> Dungeon Patrol season one, it's like you need a little bit of breathing room to work the kinks out and for people to people to find their voices and just like, you know, find this new synergy. So I want our session zero to be for us. And then we're going to have our episode one, which will be like the first story. Sure. And then I don't have I mean, I don't know, maybe after 10 episodes have dropped. I might then drop like, oh, here's session zero. So that anybody brand new to the show, their first experience won't be our session zero. Right. As we're all trying to figure out what voices our characters. Yeah. I I don't think that's like the best. What our role is in combat. So, you know, it'll be like, it'll be like the bonus content that'll come a little bit later. So maybe a Patreon. Maybe so. Maybe so. Um, I am going to be also releasing the rules to, I don't know if it's going to be to Patreon people or anybody who actually wants to do their own play testing. That's another thing I'm exploring. Um, I'm trying to get them cleaned up enough so that they're like, people can look at it and say, Oh, this, this looks like interesting, you know, cause 
one of my one of my goals in addition to the podcast is that at the end of all of this i, I, I want to get this published at some point sure uh whenever that is going to be we have to get through a lot of play testing first though got it so we'll see i mean the rules might be changing as we play so but i definitely want people to be able to see them and i think if you're interested in rules and want to see how you know what we're doing in an it, you know how the, how how the rules are affecting the podcast and you know maybe you can learn along with us yeah uh, i think well, there's they some can room get for it that. on the ground floor of this creation kind of yeah well, not, maybe not the ground floor because <laughs> a lot of the legwork is you've you've done a tremendous amount of work on this oh yeah no this is this is not i mean i've got it's like 250 pages like, yeah. this is a full-on rule book yeah this is not Oh, I jotted some ideas on a napkin for something that sounded cool. This is a this is legitimate. I mean, it's a three hundred page or two hundred fifty page, three hundred page rule book. Yeah, well, and that's without the best year. Once I once I get all the monsters and stuff in there, it's definitely gonna it'll be. I mean, it'll it'll be like the size of probably the the core the handbook. core players handbook yeah. and whatever. Excellent. So all right. anyway, all right. Well, well, I thanks. We can... Yeah, thanks for sitting down talking with me. And uh, we look forward to bringing more content for everybody who's listening. Thank you for your patience. Yeah, we appreciate it. And thanks for coming along this journey. And hopefully you stick with us for the next leg of it. Have a little adventure. Yeah, we'll see you then. All right, guys. Bye. See ya. Yep.